Amen. Good morning, church. Have, y'all, I can tell from backstage that y'all are awake this morning. As soon as in that last song when they talked about Jesus is about to rise from the dead, you see those lyrics coming, people start woohooing. That's when you know that's going to be a good Sunday. My name is Josh. I have the joy of serving you guys as one of the elders here. Uh, my family and I have been coming here for, I don't know, seven, eight, nine years, something like that. And so I'm grateful to get to spend the morning with you and introduce you to some of my friends here in a minute. Um, so a few years ago, my family and I took the, uh, took the train to Chicago for the weekend. Has anyone ever done that? That is a lot of fun and also a tiny bit scary, but a lot of fun. And it was a fall weekend, and we, we took the kids on the train, and we checked out the museums and all the sights and smells and sounds of Chicago. We went to have this really great breakfast at a place called Wildberry Pancake House, these giant, like, big-as-a-dinner-plate um, pumpkin pancakes in the fall. It was really good. Um, and one uh, particular moment I remember is we were going, taking the kids to see something called the Bean it looks like a giant silvery bean. I think it's technically called something else. But we're walking towards Millennium Park, and there's just a sea of people on this beautiful fall afternoon. And my youngest daughter, Quinn, at the time was probably about five, and she was holding my hand, right, with her left hand, my right hand. And then her other hand had my wrist. Okay, so we're double hand holding on one hand and pulling me in close. Because for her to be in those crowds of people, she's like, I know where I'm going. I'm going to the bean, but I need someone who's going to lead me safely there. If you're children or grandchildren or nieces and nephews, if you've ever been with them on a field trip, you know, and everybody goes to like Post Family Farm for the day, and lo and behold, seven other schools are also at Post Family Farm for the day, and all eight-year-olds look the same. And so... You're like, ah, oh, what group am I supposed to be with? Who's going to lead me to the donuts? Well, you, you inevitably find the person with like the, the orange flag on their backpack, right? Or these obnoxious lime green shirts. And you're like, yes, lime green, that's who I'm supposed to follow. So in a sea of chaos, we look for a person to follow us where we want to go. It's no different for us in the Christian life. That last song we just sang about, Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. I encourage you to go listen to that again at home. That is the gospel. We know what the gospel is. The gospel is this, that we were created in the image of God. Think of it, it's, we're supposed to be like a mirror reflecting an almighty God. We're created in his image, but we're broken. The sin in our life, the choices we make to go against what God says, that's sin and that's brokenness and the mirror is shattered and there's only one thing that can repair the shattered mirror and his name is Jesus. And so God in his goodness came down, God in flesh, God with us, Emmanuel, to repair the brokenness in our lives we can't repair for ourselves. He died the death on the cross we're supposed to die, death separation from God, so that we might have life and have it to the fullest. John 3.16 tells us that. We think about the scripture that says, if you believe those things in your mind and your heart, you confess it with your mouth, that you will be saved. Hallelujah. We know that. But we live in a world that is chaotic. And in a world where other people believe something different. And so when you're in a sea of ideas and in a world of people who think and believe differently and there's chaos all around you, God in his goodness and his mercy gives us leaders to follow. Not because of who they are, but because who they're going to take us to. And that's Jesus. And so... um, 
we're going to have a chance here in a minute to meet with some friends who are just that. And I want to introduce you to a biblical model of imitating. So if you got a pen, get it out. I'm going to give you a couple of verses you can scribble down and check out later. But we see this in Scripture. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2. Paul writes, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do. So there is an introduction there to this idea of imitating. Imitating, modeling, emulating. Hebrews 11 is the heroes of the faith. We spent a long time in Hebrews recently in this church. Hebrews 11 is all about by faith, so-and-so did this, and by faith, so-and-so did that. It's not that Noah is the Messiah. It's not that Abraham is God, but those people were following God, and the writer of Hebrews encourages us to imitate their faith. We see it with the life of Paul. Some of you may not know about Paul. Paul was a high-ranking Jewish official who was actually persecuting Christians. So there is a scene when Stephen, who was an early Christian, was martyred. He was killed for his faith, death by stoning. So there was a group of people that grabbed rocks and threw them at Stephen until he was dead. And who is standing there holding their coats so that they don't get dirty as those men do that? Paul. Paul's going, yeah, do that. I'll hold your coats. And then Paul has this crazy interaction with Jesus on the road. He's traveling. He's blinded for a period of time. Jesus meets him face to face in a vision and says, it's I, the one whom you persecute. I'm coming to pay you a visit and tell you I'm going to radically transform your life. And no longer will you persecute me. You're actually going to tell all the non-Jewish people about me. That is transformation. So Paul's a, a, a man made in the image of God broken like that mirror, right? There's only one way he can be redeemed, and it was through Jesus. And we read, Paul says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Despite my brokenness, God has redeemed and transformed me and is transforming me, so follow me as I follow Jesus. And finally, in Philippians chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, I'll read parts of that for you. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but there's one thing that I do. I forget what lies behind my brokenness, and I strive forward to what lies ahead, to press on toward the goal for the price of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And then skipping down, Paul says this, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. So we see a biblical model for following, imitating, looking for the person in the lime green shirt, not because of who they are, but because of whom they follow. And his name is Jesus. And so today I'm going to pray and then we're going to welcome some of my friends out. Uh, Pastor Andrew was up here a little bit ago talking about small groups. Think of this as like one giant small group meeting, okay? So welcome to our living room and we're just going to have, we're going to have a conversation. So let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for um, these friends. I thank you for the opportunity to open up your word and see what it has to say about how you desire to transform us. Thank you for sending leaders into our lives who will take us toward you. Help us take next steps closer to you. I pray, God, you would be glorified and honored through our conversation today. And I pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. Good morning. You guys came out here right on cue. <laughs> Nice. It was close. <laughs> it was close. 
Um, I want to introduce you to some of my friends. I'll actually let them introduce themselves to you. We'll start down there at the end, Mr. Ball. My name is Brian Ball. Um, I had the honor of serving as an elder here at Chapel Point, and then in June came on staff uh, after a decade in public education as a teacher and administrator, and so now I'm overseeing family teams, so birth through college, essentially. Awesome, and you have a family. I do have a family. <laughs> They're not in here, so I just got away with that. It's a team sport. Um, my wife, Bethany, uh, serves with women's ministry here, and then I have two daughters, Brenna and Braley, who are six and four. Awesome, so good, thank you. My name is Jackie Van Dyke, and I have the privilege of um, serving as the director of women's ministry here um, with an amazing team of um, women, but actually both of your wives work with me, so um, appreciate them. And I am married to John, and I have um, three children by birth. Our oldest, Emily, gave us an amazing son-in-law, John. And um, then I have a daughter who's finishing up um, senior year at Cedarville, a son who's a sophomore at Taylor and came home with 30 of his friends from his dorm this weekend. So we're hosting a little retreat. So Excellent. they're supposed to be here next, um, next service. And if I look awesome. a little bleary-eyed on Tuesday, that is why. <laughs> That's why. So what I heard you say was lunch is at the Van Dyke house for all of our small group friends. We probably have enough, yes. <laughs> awesome, Joel. My name is Joel Coleman. I have the privilege of serving as one of the elders here at church. And my lovely wife, Alicia, is over here with my family, uh, four kids. Kenzie, TJ, Emma, and Gracie. Awesome. So good. Thank you for being here. Um, what is uh, Scripture, as we believe all of Scripture is true, it's God-breathed. Uh, different parts of Scripture mean different things to different people, right? It's like verses we hang on to. So tell us uh, a verse that means something to you in terms of it's, it's had an impact on your relationship, your intimacy with God. Brian, you want to take Yeah, so I grew up very close to my grandfather. And I remember we would um, be sitting there and we're carving wood and he's teaching me how to carve something like a hippo or something like it doesn't matter what I was carving, but we were talking about scripture and he would talk about Psalm 23 all the time. And it's kind of become in that moment. And since then it's become my life verse and what I cling to um, through every season because it shows God's faithfulness in every season. It shows his character, right? So we think about the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. So I don't need to want for anything. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Surely goodness and mercy. All these promises that come from that passage of scripture that we can hold on to um, and that I personally held on to in every season that I've walked through in my life. Um, so grandparents, I would encourage you like those moments that you have to take those moments to encourage your, your grandkids um, in their walk with Christ. And, you know, it, it probably was insignificant that we talked about Psalm 23 on that particular day to him, but it turned into something that I've held on to my entire life. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really cool. That is a good under, I like how you underline that for grandparents, be intentional with your grandkids, right? You know, that could be something 20 years from now, they'll be saying, I remember when grandpa or grandma taught me this verse. It's awesome. Cool. Jackie, how about you? What's a verse that's impacted your intimacy with Jesus? So I love Philippians 2, uh, the first part, 1 through 11, and um, so much in that passage, but it really gives us a template for how we are to live and how we are to relate to other people with Jesus as our example. Uh, it talks about how Jesus was and is God, and yet he humbled himself, he became a man, he became a servant, and then he was obedient to death on a cross. And I love the ending of that. Actually, it like chokes me up pretty much every time I read it, how um, at the end, Christ um, is exalted to the highest place and given the name above 
every name, and it says at the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And I just think Amen. about, there are so many today who deny Christ, and there's you know just so much that we see out there, and yet one day every single person is going to bow before Christ, is going to um, declare that he is Lord, and um, we can do that now or we can do it later. Mm. And I think, you know, what a, what a terrifying reality for those who realize it too late. Mm. And I want to be among those who are doing that now. And it's just this glorious continuation of that. Mm. That's so good. Great chapter. That's something for you to write down too, right? Philippians 2, great chapter to read. How about you, Joel? Uh, for me, Romans 12, verse 9 says, uh, don't just pretend to love others, mm. really love them. Um, and I think of this fruit of the Spirit where it says in Galatians 5, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and it continues from there. And I just think about how that fruit of the Spirit, right, that, those are results that are produced by desires that the Spirit creates, that God creates within us, right? In that same passage, it gives us the alternative of that, which is, you know, the fruits of the flesh. Yep. You know, that's when we follow our own desires. Those are then the results of that. And so it makes me realize that, like, you know, with that verse in Romans, it says, don't pretend to love others. I can pretend to love others mm. on my own, right? I can pretend to do it out of my own selfish pride, right? But that's where you have to ask, like, what's the root of the fruit, right? What actually is the source of the fruit that's being produced in my life? Is it from God? Because if it's not from God, if I just pretend to love others, I never experience those next two, the peace and the joy that comes through following the Spirit's desires to love others. And so that's why Romans 12, 9, you know, don't just pretend to love others, love others genuinely, right? Mm -hmm. It's so impactful to my relationship with God and the intimacy I have with Him because it's only through being connected to the true vine that we can actually have that joy and mm -hmm. peace as we go and love one another. Mm -hmm. We can love because He first loved us. Exactly. Right? Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot a minute. Okay. Um, so, how, do you ever sense, like, man, I just don't have, I'm not feeling the, the love for this person in this moment, and then how do you handle that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think those are the times that, like, that's what pulls me away, honestly, from God the most is those moments, those little mundane things of life, right? whether I'm like, you know, driving or just like at a store or impatient, right? Mm -hmm. So it's a little selfish uh, decisions that I'm making in those moments. It's that accumulation of that, right, that ultimately pulls me away from God, mm -hmm. right? Where it's just the regular drip, drip, drip of selfishness mm -hmm. that prevents me from actually genuinely loving other Others. people. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. how I get back to that, right, it has to be start with relationship with God, right? Prayer in the Bible, right? And also living with one another. I think of Acts 2 where it says, describes the early believers, right? And it's saying that they gather together, you know, listen yeah. to the apostles' teaching, yep. broke bread together, yeah. fellowship together, and prayed. Mm. And so it's critical to mm. do, actually do those things and participate to grow close to God. It's not a one-time decision. Yeah. No, that's, a good, that's a good word. Being in community, staying connected to Scripture, depending on the Spirit. Love, really loving others with a Christ-like love. It's a big call. Yeah, it's a big call. Um, Jackie, tell us about, um, 
you talked about like the little, the mundane, kind of the everyday, and we think about um, surrendering to Jesus is not a one-time event, right? It's like a, every single day I have to wake up and decide today I'm going to carry my cross. But there are things that can, are, are moments for each one of us, decisive moments when we say, okay, right now I have to choose. It's me or it's following Jesus. So Jackie, tell us about a moment in your life when you had to make like a decisive moment. I had to choose. Am I going to follow me or am I going to follow Jesus? I think I would agree with you, Joel, that um, those decisive moments are those little moments, mm -hmm. like every day there might be a dozen of them or a hundred of them. It's, um, you know, am I going to be selfish right now or I'm going to pretend that I didn't really see that that was a need? Um, am I going to... Am I going to worry about that right now, or am I going to pray about that? Am I going to pick up my Bible? Am I going to pick up my phone? Um, those, um, I, I tend to be, by nature, pretty self-centered, pretty lazy about things, um, and it's just so easy. I, I think those little moments are almost easier to rationalize than the big, huge things where I'm like, okay, I absolutely know that as a believer, I have to do that, and okay, God, I'll do that. Um, you know, Jonah running away from from God's call, you know, I'm like, okay, I clearly that's a call of mine and I have to obey that. But in those little moments, I can be like, you know, I'm tired. I don't feel like talking to that person right now. I'm just gonna turn away and walk the other way. And so I, I, think, um, I think I have those literally every day where um, there's that little voice of the Holy Spirit and as I listen to it, it tends to get louder. Um, as I ignore it, he tends to be polite and go away and say, okay. <laughs> um, and so I really have to stay connected. The word, the prayer, I mean, that's, it's so basic and yet I can tell when I'm not connected, when I'm not listening to the Holy Spirit um, because I do tend to start ignoring his voice more often and um, have to get back to, to the prayer, to the word and yeah. um, start listening again. So <laughs> that's really good. It's the, it's the simple everyday little things, right? We go, oh, I've, I've done enough. I've served enough. I've, in the first service we talked about, the verse that says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. It doesn't say try to do fewer things out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And so there's another, right? The high call of God. We're the broken mirror. How can I do that? It's through the power of the Spirit. So let me ask you, Jackie, a follow-up question. So there are some of us who may be in here going, okay, you're talking about following a prompting of the Holy Spirit. How do I feel that? What's that feel like? How do I know that's happening? And then how, like, what do I do in that moment? Do you have some thoughts on that? Anyone's welcome to join in after you, by the way. Well, like I said, I'm not by nature just like this always loving, always kind, always gracious person. Um, and so pretty much if I have an idea like of something good I should do, it's probably not from me. Mm. That's probably from God. And so, um, you know, if I'm, if I have a thought like, oh, you should reach out to that person, you know, you should text that person. You should see how they're doing. You should go talk to that neighbor as you're on your walk and you're like, no, I want to get my walk in. I don't want to stop. And, you know, yeah. whatever those little, those little thoughts are, mm -hmm. um, they're probably from the spirit because mm -hmm. that's not what I would normally think maybe. Yeah, that's good. Brian, you were going to. Also, I just remember I'm reminded in this moment of conversations that we've had, Josh, about how do you determine if something that you're being asked to do is God asking you to do it. Well, you, you pray about it, yeah. you see what he's telling you in scripture, and then you talk to other godly people in your life. And if those things start to line up, then you, then you have a pretty good idea that it's something that mm -hmm. God wants you to do. 
That's, that's, that's a good word. So staying, staying in the Bible, it's important. Prayer is important. Having people we can imitate in our life is important to ask their counsel. It's really good. So same question for you, Brian. A decisive moment in your life when you had to choose between Brian or doing what the Lord wanted you to do. Yeah, there's been many moments, obviously, but I think one that pops to my mind is um, my wife and I lived in China for a year. So we got married, um, got pregnant, took the newborn child and moved to China to be missionaries, right? So we were really popular um, in that moment. Um, but it was what God was asking us to do. And so we were happy to do it. Um, and so as we were in China, I was loving it. It was great for me. For my wife, it was not great for her. Um, she was a stay-at-home mom. It's a concrete jungle. We were one of, it was a city of 7 million, and we were one of 500 or so Westerners. So that's not a good ratio for people that you can have a conversation with. And she was really lonely. And so, you know, you, you go through marriage counseling and um, premarital counseling and that kind of stuff, and it talks about husbands. Uh, we, we always hear the wives submit to your husbands, but then the second part of that is, Husbands should love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Yeah, that's right. Um, and we also see in scripture things like honor your wife be, so your prayers are not hindered. And mm -hmm. in, in Peter writes about that. And so I'm sitting here as a, as a new husband, and, and I've always wondered, what does that actually look like in practice? Mm -hmm. And so I'm sitting there as someone, I'm loving it. It's not great for my wife. So I have to choose. Selfishly, we could have stayed, but then I'm not honoring my wife and I'm not leading her well. Mm -hmm. I'm not giving myself up for her. And so we, we had to make the decision, um, and ultimately it was me that made the decision for us to leave after a year. And that was really hard, but it was also one of the most formative years of our marriage because we were away from family. We couldn't run to mom or dad to talk about things. We had to talk, we were forced to talk about them. And then because of that, we were, I was able to make what I believe is a godly decision to honor my wife and to do what was best for her. Even though I was the happiest I'd ever been, it was still the right thing for me to do as the leader of my family. So, yeah, that's really good. Thanks for sharing. So what, one of the things I'm hearing in that is, and this is very, I can only comment to the times we've spent in men's ministry here, right? That a lot of us guys struggle with putting our work ahead of our biblical responsibility to honor and love our wife and give ourselves up for her. So what would you say, Brian, to folks who are here who are who are facing that dilemma that decision point am i choosing my work and myself when i really should be choosing my family what what advice would you give to them as a, to help i think i mean a tangible shift for us is we started praying together mm -hmm. every morning um i tried i set reminders in my phone to like pray for her right and and technology can be bad but it can also be good in some yeah. ways because it, it helps me when i get that notification in the middle of my day and it says, pray for Bethany. And it reminds me to do that. And so building in those habits of prayer and talking to one another, um, in, in all actuality, it looks like dying to myself looks like instead of watching football, hanging out with her and, and my girls, right? Um, I already know my team's going to lose anyway, so it's fine. <laughs> I um, wonder who you could be talking about. <laughs> anyways, so I'm just saying it, it tangibly, that's what it looks like, right? Is like when, if I'm having this desire of I want to do something right now, but then being willing to be humble enough to understand that maybe what I'm doing right now is really selfish and I need to see what my family or my wife needs mm -hmm. in this moment. And maybe that's writing down how you spend your time when you're not at work. Uh, maybe it's figuring out like setting boundaries. Like I'm going to come home at this certain time every day um, and I'm going to shut off my phone and I'm going to spend a few hours just with my family to make yeah. sure that they're getting the attention they deserve. Um, 
and that because that's important. They they need to know that you're present and there. Yeah, and I, accountability is important too, right? So one of the things you all are doing is you're being very honest and vulnerable. So having people in your life who you can be honest and vulnerable with, who can have the authority and responsibility to say, "Hey, I'm seeing something out of balance in you. Can we have a conversation about it?" It's important. Um, yeah, and I, I think just to add on to that, I know where I failed in this in the past is, you know, I always can come and justify what I'm doing, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, oh, well, I have to work late. I have to do this other stuff because, you know, I have to get this project done. I have to do whatever. Well, usually that's wrong. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's not actually true. And justifying it is a signal to me that like, oh, maybe your heart is telling you, God's telling you, this isn't right. You're not loving your wife and loving your family in the way that you need to here. And there's more options. You know, mm -hmm. stop being selfish. Go talk to other people. Find out ways that you can actually do what you need to do, mm -hmm. care for your family while also love your family. That's really good. We, ju we justify a lot. We justify a lot. Um, Jackie, I'm going to come back to you. So um, what's, what do you think is the greatest thing for you that pulls you away from the gospel, that pulls you away from Jesus, and then how do you handle it? I think for me, the, the biggest thing that pulls me away from Christ is fear. Mm. I am um, not a risk taker. I'm somebody who likes to know what to expect. I like, to, I like things to be safe and secure and kind of to know what's happening. And that isn't really all that compatible with living like this radically sold out life for Christ. Um, I think of examples in scripture. I think of Abraham who God called and said, hey, pack up, you're gonna go somewhere and I'm not really telling you where you're going. I'll tell you when yeah. you get there. Um, I think of Peter who was asked to step out of the boat like into the water. And um, I think God asks us to just trust him and to not necessarily have all the ducks in a row and know everything where it's going and so um, I think that that fear of of the unknown of the future of circumstances what's going on in the world whatever that is um, is really counteracted by having a healthy fear of God um, I came across this verse in Exodus 20 where Moses is talking to the people and they're afraid and he says don't be afraid and then he says fear God and that will keep you from sinning and so he puts those two together, that the more we fear God, the more we have this, this um, just overwhelming reverence and this awareness of his presence in all situations, and um, the more we trust him, the less those other things matter, and the more they just kind of fade away. And my focus becomes on, I'm more concerned about pleasing him than whatever's going to happen, what, all those what ifs, I'm really good at asking the what if mm -hmm. questions. Um, and as I, as I focus on, I just want to please God. And he's here, he's with me, mm. he's never going to leave me. Um, those tend to fade away a little bit. All those uncertainties, the what ifs, the uncertainties, are then met with the certainty that he stays the same now and forever. That's really good. Um, Coleman, what would you say to that greatest thing in your life that pulls you away from the gospel and then how you handle it? Yeah, I think just continuing on kind of what I said before about the mundane things of life, mm -hmm. I think the other aspect of that is uh, when I'm not intentional about getting alone with God, right, mm -hmm. and being intentionally in community with other people, or I'm actually looking to fellowship, right, share life together, live on a 
truly Christian brother and sister level mm. of love. Um, and so, yeah, how I handle that is um, one, you know, my wife and family are great to be able to, you know, talk through different things as well as then other believers that are here, you know, mm. some probably in this room right now. Um, and I think it's just so critical to realize, like, you don't have to do it alone, yeah. right? And that's what I have to tell myself a lot when I get caught up in like, oh, this is just about me. And it's like, it's not about me, mm -hmm. right? This is about God. Mm -hmm. This is about living life together and bringing him glory. Mm -hmm. That's really good. It, it, if we think of, we talk a lot about relationship with Jesus. If you want to nurture a friendship, you have to invest time yeah. into the friendship. If you want to nurture a relationship, and that's what you're talking about, it's spending time in relationship with him. So one last question for you all is, as you think about this body of believers in this church, um, tell us what's your greatest prayer for Chapel Point? Brian, we'll start at the end with you. I think for me, it's that everybody would see where they currently are as a mission field. Um, so I think about just in my time in education, opportunities that I had to share the gospel with students and other faculty members. Um, just for everyone to see that. So students all the way up to whatever your job or your workplace is, even if you're a stay-at-home mom, who are the people yeah. that you interact with that you could be sharing the gospel with, that you could be talking about Jesus with? Um, because it matters. And so that's my prayer is that, is that students would see their schools as a mission field, that people would see their work as a mission field in whatever it is that they're doing. Mm, that's good. Lines right up with our vision statement. Yeah, it's really good. How about you, Jackie? I have had a lot of prayers for this church over the years that we've been here, and I think they can all kind of be summed up in staying rooted in Scripture. Mm -hmm. That's part of our vision yeah. statement as well. Um, as we stay um, just firmly um, resolute in mm -hmm. our devotion to God's Word, um, we will not fall prey to the winds of culture that you know are going this way and that way. Um, we will be following true north. That's mm. our compass. And um, all those other things will fall into line because they're all in scripture. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's my biggest prayer, that that's we stay rooted in scripture. That's really good. Joel? For me, it's that all of us would know what it is to live in faith in our day-to-day mm. -day lives. Uh, just pray that we wouldn't just know faith by knowledge, just something we know. And I pray that we wouldn't just know like good deeds just by a self-righteous moralism, right? But that we would instead actually know what it is to live life in faith. And for me, faith, what that means is that we act because we believe God, right? It's faith of the imagination to see life through God's promises and the courage to act accordingly, you know, because I, I think about like Hebrews 11 with Abraham. It doesn't say, you know, by faith, Abraham believed God and stayed home, right? <laughs> That's right. It says he left. He got up and left and he didn't even know where he was going. Yep. He didn't even know what the future had for him. Mm. And so for me, you know, like in James 2, there's so much throughout scripture where it says, you know, in James 2, it says, faith without works is dead, right? I think faith without action is dead. Mm. And that's where the fullness, right? So those little mundane selfish decisions that I yeah. talked about earlier, like those steal from the fullness of life that mm. God has for each one of us if we live in faith mm. with him. And so that is my prayer for this church, that we would be able to live in faith on a day-by-day -day basis, that we would believe God, the promises that he has mm. for us, and respond to the promptings that he gives to us. Mm. So that would be good. my biggest prayer. That's good. Um, 
thank you three. The leadership of this church prays for you guys a lot. Um, God is not finished with us individually. He's not finished with you individually. He's not finished with using this church. As long as we stay rooted, committed to prayer, diving deep in relationship, obedient, surrender, all those things, right? And we get to do that together. We get to do that as a community. I will just encourage you all, if, if something was stirred in you today and you go, oh man, I got a uh, I need prayer for this thing. Holy Spirit is prompting me. Something good popped in my mind. Like Jackie was talking about, if it's good, God probably put it there. Something popped in my mind. I need to talk to someone. Or I'm really convicted. I got this thing in my life I've been hiding, and it is pinning me down. And I need freedom from that. I need to surrender that to the Lord. We have a prayer room where people want to pray for you. We have small groups who want to help get you connected. Any one of these people on stage would gladly buy you a cup of coffee and help you process through that. The Lord, in all of his goodness, gave us people with that orange flag on their back saying, follow me because I'm following Jesus. And here's just an example of three of them. So I want to read um, a scripture for you, and then I'm going to close us in prayer. This is the scripture we opened with. It's from Philippians chapter 3. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but there's one thing that I do. I forget what lies behind I strain toward what lies ahead, and I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to skip down to verse 17 again. So brothers and sisters, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. Thank you guys for being here. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to respond to the God who loves us in worship. So let's pray. Father God, uh, you are so good. I thank you not only, God, for creating us. Um, you came here yourself and you made a way for us. When we turned our back on you, when you created us in your image and we broke that image, when we turned our back on you in rebellion, God, you came down and rescued us through the person of Jesus. God in flesh, God with us. I thank you for not leaving me, us where we're at in our sin. I thank you for redeeming me from the sin in my own life, Lord. I pray that my brothers and sisters here today would surrender their lives fully to you, that they would obey the promptings of the Spirit, that they would feel the joy of the Lord, that that is their strength. God, we give you all glory and honor for all the work you've done and all the work you will continue to do. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus.